Welcome into Preds Insiders, ESPN 1025, the game streaming on the Game Nashville app. I'm your host, Ryan Porth, here with you on this Wednesday evening, live from Drake's and Cool Springs. Smashville Live coming up at the top of the hour at 7 p.m. Dante Fabro, Preds rookie defenseman, and Rocco Grimaldi, Predators forward, will be here coming up at 7 o'clock, joining Chase McCabe and Hal Gill. So that should be a lot of fun coming up at 1025, the game. Now, one of those two hosts is nicknamed Skillsy, and the other host, when it comes to athleticism, has no skills. So let me just put it that way, as Chase McCabe shrugs his shoulders almost in agreement, saying he can't argue with that. So that should be a lot of fun. Coming up at 7 o'clock, Dante Fabro and Rocco Grimaldi out here at Drake's in Cool Springs. Now last night, Rocco Grimaldi did score his first goal of this young season in the Predators' 6-1 win against the Anaheim Ducks. And look, it was a big, big night for the Predators' offense, despite not having Philip Forsberg for a third straight game due to a lower body injury. The Preds scored another power play goal. By the way, the power play clicking at 20%, up 8% from where it was last season when it was ranked dead last in the National Hockey League. This team has scored 38 goals, tops in the Western Conference. Tops in the league in goals per game at 4.22. So the offense is clicking on all cylinders. Last night they, they got two goals from Victor Arvidsson, two points from Roman Yossi. Ryan Ellis extended his point streak to a career-best five games. He has 12 points in nine games. Matt Duchesne, with, her, with another assist last night, now has 11 points in nine games. Certainly an impressive start for Matt Duchesne in a Preds uniform. But the best play of the night last night, in my mind, and a 6-1 win against the Anaheim Ducks came from Matias Ekholm in the second period, a shorthand goal. It was the equivalent of a strip sack, fumble recovery, and a touchdown that you would see in the National Football League. He picked the pass off at center ice, took it home, and this is how it sounded on the Fifth Third Bank National Predators Radio Network last night. Getzloff comes back, Lindholm carries, and tipped away. Here comes Ekholm in shorthanded. He scores! Matias Ekholm! So that was the Predators' first shorthanded goal of this season. That goal by Matias Ekholm put the Preds up 4-0 last night. And what I was really impressed with is that the Predators did not take their foot off the gas. They have been really strong in the third period all season long, and that continued last night. They have scored a whopping 21 goals 21 of their 38 goals this season have been scored in the final 20 minutes of regulation by far the most goal scored in a third period by any NHL team in the league this season and look Anaheim they made it 4-1 Ryan Getzlaff with a nice goal early in the third period but the Preds had a killer instinct last night. They outshot Anaheim 11-0 after the Ducks got on the board to make it 4-1. They outshot Anaheim 11-0. They outscored them 2-0 after the Getzlaff goal. And this has been a theme of some of their victories this season is having that killer instinct. They displayed it against Minnesota. They were down 2-1 going into the third period and then ran away with a winner in the season opener. Then they beat San Jose in that fashion. Then they beat Vegas in that fashion. And then they beat Anaheim last night in that fashion. And that is definitely something that I have liked out of this Nashville Predators team early on this season. And look, it's only nine games, and I know they aren't 
close to perfect, but I will say this team is infinitely more fun to watch than last year's team during the regular season. Now, last night, 6-1 win. You might look at the scoreboard and say, huh, they didn't really need a big night out of Pecorine. They needed a big night out of Pecorine last night, especially in the first half of that game. He made many point-blank saves when the Ducks still had a chance to get back in the game. And I felt like the biggest moment in the game itself was Pecorine making a save on an Andre Cache breakaway late in the first period. Game is 2-0 at that point. The Ducks could have cut the lead in half and been right back in it. But Pecorine makes a big glove save to keep it 2-0, and that's how it stood after the first period. And Chris Mason today, Preds TV analyst, he joined Darren Donick and Chase, and he talked about just the, how big the impact was of that save that he made on Kashe. Those are one of those times where, um, you know, it could be a turning point in the hockey game. Like if he lets that in, all of a sudden the Ducks are back in because they were playing well. They were getting chances. They outchanced the Preds in the first period. Uh, but, but, you know, the score wasn't really indicative of the type of hockey game it was. So that, again, is you know, one of those moments in a hockey game as a goaltender, you know that the more of those that you can make, obviously, you know, you know, this goes without saying, but the more you can uh, make of those and frustrate and kind of demoralize the other team, it kind of takes them, their their belief away a little bit. And it builds, you know, on the flip side, it builds the, the belief in your team that, hey, you know what, we might not be playing our best hockey right now, but we got a couple goals and our goaltender's keeping it in the hockey game. So as a goaltender, you're fully aware of that and those those swings that can happen within the game. And, um, you know, it was kind of a fragile point, to be honest with you, because Anaheim was playing really well. They, mm-hmm. they were getting a ton of chances. So, so that goes in, and you're talking a completely different hockey game. So those saves are just, in retrospect, when you look back, he made, uh, he made plenty of them last night in the first and second period especially. That was Chris Mason earlier today on Darren Donick and Chase discussing the impact of Pecorine's breakaway save on Andre Cache. In the first period, and look, he stopped Troy Terry on a penalty shot in the second period, but I didn't think that was as big of a moment in the game as that breakaway that Kashe had in the first period. Game is 2 nothing. Again, Ducks could have cut the lead in half, and Pecorine closed the door. And Pecorine this season has been nothing short of fantastic. He's now 5-0-1 on the season. Outside of the five goals that he gave up a couple weeks ago against the Washington Capitals, every outing he's been between the pipes, he's given up two goals or less every single time out. He keeps getting better with each passing game, and it just kind of feels like these last few seasons he keeps getting better with age, almost like a fine wine. Every single time he's out there, you can depend on Pecorine. I know there's a lot of questions about him in the playoffs, but Pecorine has been lights out so far this season for the Nashville Predators. This is Preds Insiders live from Drake's and Cool Springs, where Smashville Live will originate coming up at the top of the hour at 7 o'clock. Dante Fabro and Rocco Grimaldi will be here at Drake's and Cool Springs as they will join Chase McCabe and Hal Gill on Smashville Live. Now, one thing last night that I know Peter Laviolette addressed, and we're going to hear from him shortly, is the defensive effort from this Nashville Predators team. And the defense has been maybe a little suspect at times as they have increased their offensive mindset early on this season. And there's a delicate balance that they have to go through in this transition where they have to balance that offensive mindset versus the play in their own zone. And look, Pecorine and UC Soros cannot erase every single mistake that is made in front of them. UC Soros last Thursday night in Arizona, I thought played the best game of his Young season, 
and he kept that score from being embarrassing in the desert. And last night, Pecorine was nothing short of spectacular between the pipes for the Nashville Predators. But the defensive, the defensive effort can get better for the Preds, and that's what Peter Laviolette hit on last night in his postgame press conference. We're still working at it. There's still uh, things that are happening or we're, teams are flying players and we're, we're late to catch them. Or, um, you know, there's a couple reads that still could be better. You know, there's there's things that we definitely still need to to get better at defensively. It was a it was a good game and a good win for us. We'll go back and we'll continue to work to try and tighten things down so that you know we don't have to rely on our goaltender for six huge saves. You know, you need your goaltender to make some big saves. We just want to try to limit that number if we can. That was Peter Laviolette last night after the six one win against the Anaheim Ducks and. You hate to beat up on the third pairing, but the third pairing is something that the Predators absolutely need to fix. I've been saying it on Preds Insiders ever since the start of the season, and last night was not a shining moment for Yannick Weber and Dan Hamus. Yannick Weber was at the end of a shift. Team is in the line change when Kashe gets that breakaway that I mentioned earlier. Yannick Weber commits the penalty that resulted in the penalty shot for Troy Terry, even though they're up 4 nothing in that game. And then Dan Hamus committed the turnover that ends up in the back of their net as Ryan Getzlaff scored the lone goal for the Ducks. So that third pair, it's early. It's nine games, but you would like to see that third pairing defensively for the Nashville Predators improve as this season goes along. But I think overall, if you compare the last handful of games to the first five games maybe, this defensive effort as a team overall has taken a step forward since what we saw in the first couple weeks when it was a little bit more helter-skelter in their own zone. Coming up next here on Preds Insiders, Pierre Lebrun on TSN last night had an update, maybe, on the Roman Yossi contract extension negotiations for the Nashville Predators. And after that update, I have one question, and that one question is why. That's coming up next. I'm Ryan Port. This is Preds Insiders, live from Drake's and Cool Springs, where Smashville Live will originate coming up at 7 o'clock. Right here on ESPN 102.5, the game. Ellis returned to the right side. Extended line there. Duchesne for Ellis. Back to Duchesne by the faceoff circle. Given back to Yossi to score. Roman Yossi scores with nine seconds left on the two-man advantage. That was Roman Yossi last night opening the scoring and a 6-1 win against the Anaheim Ducks for the Nashville Predators. Ryan Porth here, Preds Insiders, live from Drake's and Cool Springs. Drake's located at 553 Cool Springs Boulevard next to Starbucks and Carabas. Over 20 TVs to watch your favorite team. And that's where Smashville Live will originate coming up in about 45 minutes with Rocco Grimaldi and Dante Fabro joining Hal Gill and Chase McCabe right here in Cool Springs. Now, Roman Yossi continued his white-hot start for the Nashville Predators last night. He had another goal. He had another assist. Roman Yossi now has nine points in nine games to start this season. And, look, it's a great start for a defenseman, at least offensively, when you look at the numbers. It's nothing compared to what John Carlson is doing for the Washington Capitals. John Carlson has a whopping 20 points in 11 games. I don't even know how that's possible for a defenseman to get 20 points in 11 games. Roman Yossi doesn't even have the most points on his own blue line. Ryan Ellis has 12 points in nine games. But Roman Yossi has been fantastic for the Nashville Predators to open the season. It's almost like he's playing in a contract year 
right now going into the final year of his deal. Nine points in nine games. Now, last night, and we've heard different little, I guess you could say, whispers about what's going on between Roman Yossi, Roman Yossi's camp and the Nashville Predators. And we've heard some whispers from north of the border. Elliot Friedman has talked about it multiple times. Well, last night, Pierre Lebrun on TSN discussed Roman Yossi. And here was Pierre Lebrun with James Duthie of TSN during their little insiders panel discussing the latest with the Preds captain. Ottawa is at the stage of trying to acquire talent and develop the young talent. Nashville is at the stage of just trying to keep the great talent that they have. Roman Yossi would be one of those. He's been terrific his entire career there. How is the contract talks going? Well, it kind of hit its nag, frankly, at the end of the summer and before camp. I mean, they've been talking the entire offseason. Both sides, I think if you would have asked him at the end of last year, thought he'd be signed by camp. It hasn't happened. Uh, but there was a meeting last week in Los Angeles when the Predators were there be- between GM David Poyle and the agent Judd and Moldover. This is such a paramount negotiation for this franchise. I mean, this guy cannot go to market if you're David Poyle. But the reality is, I think his camp would like to see this guy be the third highest paid defenseman in the National Hockey League be- be- behind Eric Carlson uh, and Drew Doughty. And right now, clearly, the Predators aren't there. That was Pierre Lebrun last night on TSN on their little insiders panel during one of the intermissions of one of TSN's games, talking about the latest on Roman Yossi. Now, to me, the most important part of that clip that you just heard right there was LeBron saying Yossi's camp would like to be the third highest paid defenseman in the league behind Eric Carlson and Drew Doughty, and that, quote, clearly the Predators aren't there, end quote. Now, this is from Pierre LeBron, who is very well connected, He's obviously not in the negotiations between Yossi's camp, Yossi, and the Preds. But the question that I have as to why clearly the Predators aren't there, as stated by Pierre Lebrun, is why. Why aren't the Predators there to make Roman Yossi the third highest paid defenseman in the National Hockey League? Now, we've heard Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet speculate with Darren Donick and Chase that it could be trade protection causing a hang-up. But here is Pierre Lebrun saying that it could be money. Now, in reality, it could be both. It probably is both. But why? Is it because they don't want to pay him as much as he's worth due to future salary cap unknowns and not knowing where it's going to stand next summer and beyond? I don't know. But at this point, if you're a cap team, what's another half million to keep your star defenseman and your captain? and one of your uh, faces of the franchise. The question why? Is it because he's 30 years old or will be 30 years old when that new contract kicks in? This is something Adam Vingan of The Athletic brought up with me on Monday's Preds Insiders. Here was my exchange with Adam Vingan about Yossi's age. There are risks involved. I mean, Roman Yossi is going to be 30 years old when this contract starts. He has a history of concussions. He should age better than other defensemen in his realm because of how fleet of foot he is and mm-hmm. how and how good of a player he is and how smart of a player he is. He's not a physical player, so right. the body you know won't break down as much you would think. That was Adam Vinkin Monday night on Preds Insiders with me talking about how there are some risks involved in signing Roman Yossi to what would likely be an eight-year extension when he just turns 30 now i understand 
there are risks involved with this. I think they are more in the latter half of that contract when he might be 35, 36, 37. But if I'm GM David Poyle, I am paying this guy. Roman Yossi is a top five, six, maybe seven defenseman in the National Hockey League. He is as elite as they come when it comes to the new age of puck-moving defensemen. We've seen a complete shift with defensemen in the National Hockey League, and Roman Yossi is the prototype puck-moving blue liner. He is it. Eric Carlson got $11.5 million in San Jose. Drew Doughty got $11 million in L.A. Those are the two highest-paid defensemen in the National Hockey League. P.K. Subban, now with the Devils, formerly with the Preds, as you know, currently third with a $9 million cap hit. And Pierre Lebrun saying in that clip we heard earlier in the segment that Yossi's camp would like to be the third highest-paid defenseman in the National Hockey League. I don't think that is far off at all. I think once this does get done, and I think it will, I don't think this is going to drag out beyond the All-Star break and into the trade deadline, and then all of a sudden we're talking, you know, all these rumors that are coming from Canada or the NHL insiders where Roman Yossi's name is on the block. I don't think it's ever going to get to that point. But this is a player that could make 10 or more million next July 1 if it ever got to that point where he hit the open market. I want to quote a movie, and it's Rounders. Calvin, let's play the clip. Pay that man his money. Pay Roman Yossi the money. I don't care what it takes. Maybe not 11 and a half, but Roman Yossi deserves to get paid with a capital P. Roman Yossi is one of the top defensemen in the National Hockey League, and the longer you wait, the more likely it is that Yossi's price tag is going to go up and up and up. And I know he downplayed the contract in the preseason, but this is a guy that is playing like he is in a contract year. Last night, last night he almost scored a goal like he was Bobby Orr. He went coast-to-coast coast like butter toast and almost scored a goal late in the second period. That would have been on all the highlight reels. It, it may have even made ESPN's top ten last night. It was that close to being that beautiful of a goal from, from Roman Yossi late in the second period. He has been awesome to start this season. He's your captain. He's one of your faces of the franchise. I don't really care what the number is as long as it's not egregious. Somewhere in the $9 million range. Nine and a half. I would even go close to 10 on this guy. As Pierre Lebrun stated in that clip we heard earlier in the segment, this is a paramount negotiation for the Nashville Predators. You just traded P.K. Subban in part due to money to free cap space for Matt Duchesne, but you are a cap team now. If I'm GM David Poyle, you don't really have much leverage in this negotiation to begin with. I think you pay, you pay the man his money, like you heard in Rounders. I also think, naturally, that a lot of people are comparing this situation to the one that Ryan Suter found himself in back in the 2011-12 season where he ended up leaving that summer in 2012 on July 4th to go to the Minnesota Wild, who played the Nashville Predators here tomorrow night at Bridgestone Arena. And look, that was seven and a half years ago, and so much has changed about this Preds franchise over that time. The Predators weren't a cap team back then, and you 
kind of got the sense that Ryan Suter didn't want to really be here anymore. Well, it's 2019 now. The Predger are cap team. They have the resources to sign Roman Yossi. And Roman Yossi wants to be here, and the Preds want to keep him. All reasons why I think it will eventually get done. But you don't want to get to a point where you have Pierre Lebrun, or you have Elliot Freeman, or you have Darren Drager, or you have Bob McKenzie stating that contract talks are at a stall, they're hitting a snag. You don't want to get to that point around the holidays. You don't, you don't want to get be at that point around the All-Star break. Get it done, get it over with, and... One more time from Rounders, Calvin. Pay that man his money. That's all I have to say about the Roman Yossi contract negotiation. This is Preds Insiders live from Drake's and Cool Springs, where Smashville Live will originate coming up at 7 o'clock, just about 30 minutes from now. You can come out and meet Rocco Grimaldi and Dante Fabro. Already a great crowd in here. We've got somebody in a Rocco Grimaldi jersey. I am sure he is going to meet Rocco Grimaldi. Look, this team is on fire to start the season on offense. This has been a lot of fun to watch this team here in October, and I think it's only going to get better. And if you want to watch this team take on the Chicago Blackhawks next Tuesday, you can register to win tickets while you are here, and we will draw a winner during Smashville Live next hour. So you can register to win a pair of tickets in Section 102 to see the Preds take on the Chicago Blackhawks for the first time this season, next Tuesday on October 29th. That is all here exclusively at Drake's in Cool Springs at 553 Cool Springs Boulevard next to Starbucks and Carabas. Coming up next here on Preds Insiders, I will be joined by Greg Wyshynski, ESPN.com senior writer for the National Hockey League. I will get his take on the Roman Yossi contract negotiation and all things Preds. Coming up next, I'm Ryan Porth. You are listening to Preds Insiders live on ESPN 1025, the game streaming on the Game National app. Welcome back into the show. Live from Drake's and Cool Springs, Preds Insiders. Ryan Porth here. This will be the site of Smashville Live at the top of the hour. Rocco Grimaldi and Dante Fabro joining Chase McCabe and Hal Gill. Should be a lot of fun talking all things Preds. And if you want a chance to win a pair of tickets to Preds Hawks next Tuesday, October 29th, you can register to win here, and we will draw a name later next hour during Smashville Live. Joined now on Preds Insiders by a good friend of the station, Greg Wyshynski, ESPN NHL senior writer. Greg, how are we doing tonight? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us. And spent last segment talking about Roman Yossi and the fact that uh, according to Pierre LeBron and Elliot Friedman here in the last couple weeks, each reporting that the contract talks between the Preds and Yossi's camp have, quote, hit a snag. Well, what's kind of your perspective on Yossi, the current negotiation that Poyle finds himself in, and the importance of this negotiation for Nashville? Yeah, I'm sure the snag is that uh, Rare is the top-pairing defenseman with his offensive skills that ever makes it to the open market. Um, and, you know, the, the, the crazy part is it's both him and Alex Petrangelo, the Blues, uh, both looking at uh, the same sort of unrestricted free agency, which is uh, maybe even unprecedented as far as the availability of two of those types of guys. Uh, so, you know, I, I, snags happen. I mean, it's, that's why they call it a negotiation. Uh, it, it doesn't concern me at this point. You know, I, I think the Predators have done a 
a pretty good job of getting their house in order from a, a, a cap perspective to, you know, properly compensate uh, Yossi going forward. Uh, so, you know, these things happen, but I, I do think the temptation of, of testing the market and seeing what's out there considering, uh, you know, outside of maybe a top-line center and a, and, a, and a goalie that can play 65 games, this type of defenseman might be the rarest commodity in all of hockey. While it would be a rare commodity on the open market, we know Yossi loves it in Nashville. We know the Preds love having Roman Yossi on their blue line for obvious reasons. So how surprised would you be if it got to the point of, say, the all-star break or the trade deadline and Roman Yossi still doesn't have his extension? It wouldn't surprise me just because, you know, part of this negotiation, if he's got a number in mind and they're not hitting it, is to try to push this thing as close to the open market as you possibly could. I don't think it's a harbinger of doom. I think you're right in saying, you know, in his case and in the case with the, with Peter Angelo with the Blues, I think those are both two guys that love the community that they're in, love the organization they're with. Um, but the fact of the matter is that when you're Roman's age, uh, you want to break the bank. This is the contract to do so. You know, I think he's been a, a, a value player for, for the majority of his life. Uh, and this is the moment in which he really starts making coins. So, um, I, I, I wouldn't read it as being, uh, you know, he's got one skid out the door if that happens. Um, I think it's all about pressure points and, uh, and, and trying to squeeze out the number that you're looking for. Um, but, you know, I don't think there's really been any indication that he's not going to be a predator after this season, um, which is sort of the, the good news. We haven't had that leak yet where he's uh, looking to test the market or, you know, see if the grass is greener and all those things that you start to hear about pending free agents. Greg Wyshynski of, of ESPN.com here with us on Preds Insiders, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Now let's kind of look at the on-ice aspect of Roman Yossi. He has, he has nine points through nine games. He's played very well. Kind of looking big picture with Roman Yossi in a Preds uniform. With P.K. Subban no longer on the roster, do you expect Yossi to maybe have a better chance to be a serious Norris Trophy contender? <laughs> that, I mean, I guess I guess there is sort of the, the, the notion of the spotlight was glaring so hard on uh, on PK at all times that it, it, it sort of drowned out the uh, support that Yossi and, uh, and and guys like Eckholm would have gotten. That's an it's an interesting theory uh, and not not necessarily a bad one. Look, he's he's going to get a lot of attention. I mean, it's not only the numbers that he's putting up, but I mean, if you want to go to the fancy stats, which are uh, increasingly more important when it comes to voters and the Norris and the Selkie, uh, the best possession player on the team, puts up a ton of, of shot attempts. Uh, he's he's going to be right in the mix, I think, at the end of the year. Um, of course, right now, <laughs> as, as we head to the end of October, it's hard to have any conversation about the Norris without uh, all the focus being on John Carlson, who's like on no pace for 200 points or something nuts with the Capitals right now. Uh, <laughs> but I think as, as the race shakes out, uh, and as the Predators continue to be um, as competitive as they've been, because don't don't forget, I mean, the better the team, the more attention the uh, the top candidates for these individual awards get. Look no further than the Tampa Bay Lightning last year. Uh, I think the more focus will will start to center on on Josie and his uh, his Norris campaign. Among hockey people and among media league wide, what is the perception of Victor Arvidsson? That's a good question. I, I, I can't say that I've had many conversations with people about Victor. Maybe that's, that's the answer in and of itself. <laughs> the players that get uh, chatted about when we're all sitting around having beers. Um, I, I see him as, uh, and I don't mean to draw this as, as a direct comparison as far as the kinds of players that they are, but if you think back to the career that Alex Tangay had, 
with the Colorado Avalanche. You know, he was never Forsberg, and he was never Sackick, uh, and he was never uh, Milan Heyduk, in my opinion. He was just a, a perfectly great complementary guy. And, and the way that it always shook out with that top line uh, when, it, when it was together for the Predators, I always saw him as that type of guy. Like, you know, Forsberg uh, is, is remarkable talent. Johansson was sort of the glue for the line. And, uh, and Arvidsson was, was a solid complementary guy to that line. And, and that's not to, to besmirch him or demean him or say, hey, you're, you know, you're not calling him a star player. I just think that he is, he is that type of guy where you could throw him on that line or, or any line. And he may not necessarily be the guy that drives the line, uh, but he's certainly the guy that helps the line uh, achieve the greatest success that it can. Are you buying these new-look Nashville Predators through nine games? <laughs> here's, what, here's what I'm buying. I'm buying the over. Uh, as far okay. as uh, what I'm buying on the National Federal. <laughs> well played there, I, I do, Yeah, I do, I do a, show, a show called The Daily Wager uh, on ESPN2 every day, and uh, that was my big trend on Monday was just how many of these uh, Predators games have, have hit the number on the over. It's been pretty remarkable to see. Uh, I don't expect the trend to continue. <laughs> I think, uh, mm-hmm. think you would probably want them to tighten up a little bit more on the defensive side of the puck uh, uh, pressing forward, but it's been fun to watch, and, and it's been interesting to see Sort of the lineup machinations, uh, you know, for Peter Laviolette early in the season, um, and uh, and clearly the way that things are shaking out in the Western Conference, with just some really unpredictable starts in Dallas and San Jose, and and then on the other side of the equation, unpredictable starts in uh, in Edmonton, for example, and the way that they've gotten off the blocks. Um, you know, a good start, I think, is the best thing that could have happened to the Predators based on what we've seen sort of shake out in the Western Conference so far. Greg Wyshynski of ESPN.com here with us on Preds Insiders. Greg, how surprised have you been about Matt Duchesne's hot start, 11 points in nine games? You know, it's funny. I was, I was talking to uh, Emily Kaplan, my podcasting partner on ESPN and Ice, about that the other day. and I think she was a little bit more bullish on, on you know, what his start was going to end up being. I, I, I thought that that signing was pretty perfect um, as far as what – he brings the table from a skill set perspective from what that lineup needed so desperately from uh, uh, the perspective of, of, of a, you know, a really solid offensive contributor in the middle. Um, and, you know, and, and, you know the, the power play is a cyclical thing in the NHL, and you figured that that would start to kind of uh, move the other way at some point as well. So not shocked by his start. Uh, real, real good offensive player um, and a guy who I think maybe has learned a bit about himself in the last couple of years, especially last season uh, with the, the big trade and, and everything else that went on with the Blue Jackets, to now find uh, a certain uh, comfort zone, let's call it, uh, with a team that he really wanted to play for. Greg, just following you on social media, I know how closely you follow the New Jersey Devils, and obviously a lot of Preds fans <laughs> are keeping an eye on the New Jersey Devils this season with P.K. Subban being traded from here to there in the offseason. What have been the immediate returns of Subban with the Devils both on and off the ice? Well, he's been well off the ice. It's been great. I mean, he's he's PK Subban, and I think that the Devils have certainly uh, relied on him to create some hype around that team. And and I think that his role with the team going forward is is going to be an extraordinarily important one. I mean, for those that don't know the dynamics of the of the Devils, they moved from East Rutherford, New Jersey, uh, just over a decade ago to Newark, New Jersey. Newark, New Jersey, uh, predominantly an African American community, and and really the the, the team has never been able to, in my opinion, at least connect with that community uh, in an effective way. And now with, with both PK and Wayne Simmons on the roster, I think that they're going to make some uh, interesting inroads uh, there. Uh, at least that's what the team has told me um, after those acquisitions in the summer. So off the ice, I think PK has been great. On the ice, he's been extremely 
extraordinarily ordinary, which is not what you expect to see from D.K. Subban. There have been some mistakes that he's made on the ice. Uh, he's not necessarily been a difference maker. He's, he's laid some big hits. He's had some good moments. But much like the rest of this Devils team, I think he's really still trying to find his footing early on this season. I mean, don't forget, this is a team that went winless in its first six games. It got to the point where they had to move their assistant general manager from the front office down to the bench to try to, uh, I don't know, add a, an authoritarian voice or something there. Uh, they won the next two games, and then they got a huge like bi-week break. So we don't know what they are yet, uh, but we do know that early on, P.K. Subban uh, has been uh, pretty ordinary, I think I would say, for the Devils. Well, I think that is a version of the uh, a, a version of PK Subban that we saw a lot here in Nashville for stretches of last regular season. Maybe a little slower than he has been. Maybe not as effective in the defensive zone. And uh, I, I'm not necessarily surprised to hear you kind of describe PK's first impression in New Jersey like that on the ice. Yeah, and you know, it's it's because he's PK. Of course, it's it's never just like. He's a year older, and, and, and maybe his skills have started to, you know, get a little bit uh, duller as as he moves forward. I mean, everybody loses a little bit of a step at some point, you know. It, because it's PK, you go around this league like like I have to different buildings, and his name comes up, and you start to hear people talk about his, uh, you know, will to play and, and his attention to hockey, and you know, PK the brand, and you know, his relationship and everything else. It's it's it's. It's inescapable. Um, in some ways, probably not fair to him. Uh, but I mean, it, we, we'd be lying if we, we didn't say that there is a perception about PK out there based on the lacklusterness of his game in at least the last maybe season and a half. Greg Wyshynski of ESPN.com here with us on Preds Insiders. Greg, final thing for you. Everyone in Nashville is feeling good about the start 5-3-1. and one. The offense looks great, but I don't think anyone in the Central Division can feel as good as the Colorado Avalanche can. They are 7-1-1 one, one through nine games. White-hot start for the Avalanche. Are you drinking the Colorado Kool-Aid? <laughs> I think they felt a lot better about life before uh, Nico Rantanen, uh, you know, twisted yeah. his ankle like, uh, like Linda True. Blair and the Exorcist the other night. Uh, they say week to week, and that's sort of a miraculous prognosis based on how grizzly that play looks. Yeah, they should be feeling pretty good about life. And, and I wrote about this in the power rankings this week that's kind of coming out tomorrow to no one's surprise, Colorado uh, rather high up in those rankings. Offensively, you knew they were going to be real good, especially with the additions they made to that lineup and especially with the talent they put out there on special teams. It's their defense, and their team defense has been really impressive. I mean, they're, they're keeping the puck out of the net more uh, this year than they had uh, last season so far. Um, you know, solid goaltending from Philip Grubauer, and uh, and you know, little the, the, the additions that they made in the offseason with Dawson Kadri and, and Janos Sanskoy and Andre Perkowski and, and others. Uh, I, we knew that that was going to lead to more goals. I don't think we quite knew it was going to lead to a, a total commitment to team defense like they've had so far. They're, they are a really good team. Um, I hesitate to say that they're the favorite right now because I still think they might need another their year of seasoning and, and uh, let that let that incubate for one more year before they become a real cup contender uh, but they're a, they're a dynamic offensive team for sure greg wasinski of espn.com greg great stuff as always thank you for joining us and we will talk to you again down the road anytime thanks for having me greg wasinski espn.com there interesting stuff on roman yossi interesting comparison of victor arvidson to alex tangay back when Alex Tangay was a really valuable player with the Colorado Avalanche. And obviously um, his comments on P.K. Subban 
can't say I'm overly surprised about how P.K. Subban has started with the New Jersey Devils and that he has left a little to be desired with the New Jersey Devils so far. Coming up next, there was a poll question on Twitter last night that I want to get to. That's coming up next. We are live from Drake's and Cool Springs, the site of Smashville Live coming up at 7 o'clock. Rocco Grimaldi and Dante Fabro will be here to join Chase McCabe and Hal Gill. Drake's and Cool Springs, 553, 553 Cool Springs Boulevard next to Starbucks and Carabas. If you're looking for something to do tonight and you're in the area, come on out. should be a lot of fun. You can register to win a pair of tickets to see the Preds and Blackhawks on October 29th to sit in Section 102. So that should be a lot of fun. Preds Insiders brought to you every Monday and Wednesday by Cool Springs Laser Dentistry. For all your dental needs, visit kellyerice.com. They're actually located right down the street from where we are here at Drake's in Cool Springs. Nashville's number one Ford dealer, Wyatt Johnson Ford, Carrie Zire, Remax Elite, and Geno's East on the corner of 3rd Avenue and Korean Veterans Boulevard. More Preds, Preds Insiders coming up next right here. On ESPN 1025, the game streaming on the Game National app. What's up, Kamish? You're listening to Preds Insiders live from Drake's and Cool Springs, ESPN 1025, the game and streaming on the Game Nashville app. Ryan Porth here with you, riding solo before Smashville Live. Dante Fabro and Rocco Grimaldi will be here with Chase McCabe and, and Hal Gill talking all things Preds. You'll be able to meet the guys, register to win Preds Blackhawks tickets. For October 29th. That's all coming up next at 7 o'clock, so stay tuned for that. Now, last night I saw an interesting poll question from Thomas Willis of the Nashville Predators. Thomas Willis tweeted out, Preds fans, who do you enjoy beating the most? Right in below if needed. The poll question was between the Blackhawks, the Jets, the Ducks, and the Stars. Now, when you vote, Chicago is 52%. Anaheim, 23%. Winnipeg, 20%. And Dallas, 5%. I got to say, I was a little surprised by those results. I know everyone loves beating Chicago in these parts because it's Chicago and it's the color red and all that. But I, if you ask me, I enjoy watching Preds wins against the Ducks maybe more than any other team in the National Hockey League. And maybe it's because they've played in the they've had some chippy as you know what series over the years, but I I gotta say, for me, I enjoy watching the Preds beat the Ducks more than any other team in the National Hockey League. Also, I was a little surprised that the Blues were not on this poll question from Thomas Willis. It was the Hawks, Ducks, Jets, and Stars. I think the Blues would be a close second for me, but. Watching the Preds beat the Ducks is always a joy, at least for me. And I think when you listen to Pecorine last night, who was asked about facing the Ducks even without Perry, even without Ryan Kessler, I think Pecorine enjoys beating the the Anaheim Ducks as well. They still fire up without Perry and Kessler? Still get fired up for them? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they still have enough, uh, enough uh, not agitators. Other guys. Other guys, yeah. It's, uh, it's a, it's a, but at the same time, you know, we, like, like we talked about, we have a lot of history between these guys. So I also have respect towards them. And, and it's, a, it's always a fun game, even for me as a goalie. I don't, I don't get to join the physical game that much, but it's still emotionally it's fun to, fun to be yeah. part. 
That was Pecorini last night after the 6-1 win over the Anaheim Ducks. Look, I, I don't know. For, for me, I don't know if beating Anaheim will ever get old. Maybe like five to ten years from now when all the Ducks players on this roster are no longer there and Ryan Getzlaff is no longer playing and he's completely bald instead of just having a bald spot. But beating the Ducks just never gets old. Last night was definitely fun to watch for the Nashville Predators beating Anaheim by a score of 6-1 at Bridgestone Arena. Speaking of Bridgestone Arena, tomorrow night the Preds will be taking on the Minnesota Wild pregame at 6, puck drop at 7. All the action heard right here on ESPN 1025. The game Minnesota Wild goalie Devin Dubnik will be out with an upper body injury that he sustained last night. At least maybe Minnesota's goalie won't be flopping like a fish out of water tomorrow night in the crease for the Minnesota Wild. I don't know. Maybe a you know bold prediction there as Devin Dubnik is definitely known for, uh, for his fair share of flopping around in the crease Kevin Fiala interesting story here with the Minnesota Wild obviously formerly of the Nashville Predators Kevin Fiala the Minnesota Wild have played nine games Kevin Fiala has played seven games Kevin Fiala has been a healthy scratch in two games this season including last night Kevin Fiala has one assist in seven games he has a minus four rating he's averaging less than 15 minutes per game and I'm just sitting here scratching my head. How in the world has it come to this point for Kevin Fiala where on a team like the Minnesota Wild, Kevin Fiala can't even scratch the lineup? And they won last night, and we know NHL coaches, they don't like to change lineups after, after victories most of the time. So I don't know if we even see Kevin Fiala tomorrow night here in, in Smashville. Look, I had so many doubts about Kevin Fiala last year, and I checked out on him in a game against Detroit last February when he was audibly late to get on the ice for a shift in the third period, noticed it while sitting in the stands, and I could not believe what I was seeing. Kevin Fiala has talent. Obviously, wish him all the best. Scored 23 goals in the President's Trophy winning season for the Nashville Predators. But obviously, he needs to get his head out of his butt if he wants to have a successful career in the National Hockey League. Other interesting things that I'm watching for tomorrow night between the Preds and the Wild. I'll be interested to see if Philip Forsberg will be back in the lineup. He's missed the last three games with a lower body injury. It would obviously be a nice boost offensively for the Preds if Philip Forsberg can get back in the lineup and draw back in with Matt Duchesne and Mikhail Granlund, although Kyle Turris has looked pretty darn good alongside Duchesne and Granlund in these last couple games also interested to see if Pecorine will start his third straight game for the first time this season or if Peter Laviolette goes back to UC Saros Pecorine playing some of his best hockey that we've seen this calendar year said earlier in the program Pecorine 5-0-1-1 he has been lights out outside of the five goals he gave up against the Caps every outing this season he's given up two goals or less last night 26 saves against the Ducks in the 6-1 win He was very, very good. That will do it for Preds Insiders here at Drake's in Cool Springs. Thanks to Greg Wyshynski of ESPN.com for joining us here on tonight's show. But coming up next, it is the show that everyone is at Drake's in Cool Springs to watch and see in person. Dante Fabro, Rocco Grimaldi will join Chase McCabe and Hal Gill right here at Drake's in Cool Springs on ESPN 1025 The Game.